0: I'm not assuming it's going to go up. I'm still very conservative, very careful. And just to protect myself, because you never know how long that market's going to be hot and things can cool down in a hurry.
1: Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal Best Ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes the free service, here comes the free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls, they handle the rent collections, they handle late payment reminders, they handle the lease violation notices, everything from the text messages reminders all the way to collecting the ACH payments. mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. I hope you're having a best ever weekend. And because it is Saturday, we got a special segment for you called Situation Saturday. And here's the situation. Our best ever guest is in a hot, hot market. Therefore, he has decided not to buy any more rentals, and he's focusing the majority of his efforts on flips. In fact, he has 16 flips going on right now. We're going to talk about that. How are you doing,
0: Mark Ferguson? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show, Joe. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, my
1: pleasure. Nice to have you back. A little bit about Mark. Holy cow. He was on episode, get ready for this, episode 57. We're in the thousands now. Episode 57. And man, <laughs> I love my titles, but I think I was just, maybe I had a couple beers after I wrote this title, but the title of your original episode was Peekaboo, I See You, Overlook Costs on Fix and Flips. <laughs> wow. And then we interviewed you, episode 486, Tips to Manage Contractors Successfully. And today we're going to be talking about how to approach living in a hot market. A little bit about Mark. He is the founder of invest for more F-O-U-R, more, one of the top real estate blogs. He gets over 100,000 visitors a month. In the last three years, his company sold over 500 homes. He is an avid real estate investor, and he is based in Greeley, Colorado, which is just north of Denver, Colorado. With that being said, Mark, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus.
0: Right now, like I said, flipping's my focus. I started flipping in two thousand one with my father right after college. I think I've completed over one hundred and twenty flips. I've got fourteen rentals now. I sold a couple of this last year, but I've bought sixteen total. Have a real estate team with six licensed agents. And my focus in real estate, as an agent, was Ario and HUD selling foreclosures, but those are gone right now in Colorado. So mostly, I invest, and my team sells houses. And then um, I love writing and published a few books so i keep myself busy but always looking to do new things and keep things exciting.
1: Yeah, and a recent book that just came out is a book that you wrote with Jay Scott. What's it called?
0: It's the book on negotiating real estate and expert strategies for getting the best deals when buying and selling investment property. So we wrote this book together, Jay's an awesome writer, awesome flipper too and it's just all about how to negotiate, how to get a great deal on real estate and really negotiating anything.
1: One of the things I like about the book, I endorsed it and they said, hey, we'll mail you a copy. He said, no, no, no. I want to buy my own copy and I want to support your cause because I love what you guys are doing because they gave me a sneak preview of the book with the manuscript. So I read through that, endorsed the book, and then I bought it. I've got it since then and I've read through some of it, not all of it. One of the things I really like about that book are the real world stories that you two have put in there from your experiences as fix and flippers and real estate investors. So highly recommend going to get that book, Best Ever Listener. So now let's talk about living in a hot market and how you focused on now fix and flips. You just said that you've sold a couple of your rentals. Does that tie into the hot market thing?
0: Yeah, for sure. I have a goal that I wrote out to buy a hundred rentals in 10 years, kind of starting a few years ago. And Things change. You, know? yep. <laughs> you set these goals, and I was not expecting the market to take off like it has in 2011. Our median price in my town was 110,000, and now it's approaching 280,000. So mm-hmm. it is crazy. In the past, you could buy a house for 100,000, put 20,000 of repairs into it, rent it for 12 or 1300. Our taxes are super low, which is nice here. But rents have not kept up with prices. Now you can buy a house for two hundred thousand, put twenty thousand into it, and it might rent for sixteen hundred and the cash flow does not make sense for rentals anymore here
1: and why did you choose out of the homes in your portfolio? Why did you choose to sell those specific homes?
0: When the market was getting tougher in two thousand and fifteen was when I bought my last rental. and the last few I bought, I was starting to really stretch my criteria. You know I love mm-hmm. single family homes. kind of just below the median price range. I bought a college rental. I bought another property that had a real weird floor plan. It's really hard to rent. So since the market was doing so well, I'm like, hey, I'll sell a couple of my worst performing rentals, the ones that I don't like as well. And I'll just keep the ones I really like. And I'll use that money from the rentals I sold to just buy more flips and improve the flipping business.
1: And last question on that, and then we'll focus on the flipping stuff. The weird floor plan, what did you learn from that that you can share with us so that we don't do the same thing?
0: It's a really good deal. I bought it for $88,000 in 2012, but it had no dining room. So it had a really small living room, no dining room. There wasn't really a place to eat in the kitchen. And it took us like three months to rent the house in a market where it should have taken five days. Mm -hmm. And so um, it also had a weird addition. We had to walk through one bedroom to get to another bedroom. So it's was sort of a four bedroom, but not really, more like a three bedroom. And there are just some weird quirks about it where I didn't think about it at the time I bought them. Like, hey, you know, it's a great market for rentals. People just rent it, but it really caused some problems. And it caused a few problems trying to sell it too. So that's one thing I always look at now. Like when I buy a house, when I buy a rental, is there some kind of place to sit down and eat? Because if there's not, it can cause some problems.
1: So now let's talk about your focus, you've got 16 flips going on right now. You're not buying any rentals. Are you doing these in Denver?
0: They are all within about 35 or 40 miles of Greeley, where I'm from. So I'm about 50 miles north of Denver, so I'm just outside the Denver market. I don't quite get in there. And, yeah, we've been anywhere from 15 to 19 flips at once so far in 2017.
1: Now, let's talk about how are you managing 16 flips right now? And how far away are they from driving distance from where you currently live? Just to give us an idea.
0: Most of them are within 10 miles of me, but there's a few that are 30. But I would say you know, 75% of the ones I have are within 10 or 15 miles, not too far away. I hired a project manager a couple years ago to help me with my flips. Failed miserably. <laughs> it was Why? not a good... He was an ex-contractor. I thought he'd be perfect for the job. I liked him, and he just did not work. He would not do what I asked him. He would do his own thing, and we had some problems. And I didn't keep a good enough track managing him and making sure he's doing things. So for a while there, I took him over myself again. And then at the start of last year, I hired Nikki, who'd worked with me for six years doing REO work to manage them, and she has been awesome. So she's kind of my project manager, manages the contractors, finds new contractors, keeps track of expenses, There's no way I could do this many flips on my own. We kind of take turns driving around, looking at properties, and we also picked up a new program called Realty Pilot this year to manage everything, pictures, notes, bids, invoices, so it's all online in one place, and we're not chasing down text messages and emails from six months ago trying to figure out what's going on. Who created the software program? It was a John Murray who is one of the best real estate agents in the country. He sold over a thousand houses in a year, a couple times. He created it with some other guys to help with REO listings for banks to manage foreclosures. And then he's kind of opened it up to other investors too to manage their properties on it.
1: What are your main responsibilities right now? You got Nikki who, I love how you said Nikki. Cause it's like, oh, Nikki, well, I've never met Nikki. I don't know who Nikki is, but like, okay. So we got Nikki who's your project manager. What are you doing?
0: I try to focus on the things I really love to do. So I always say I'm addicted to buying houses. So I'm still out there driving, looking at deals, if I'm buying it from a wholesaler or the MLS, kind of managing some of our direct marketing stuff we're trying to implement. And I love to be out in the field and get out of the office. So I'm really hands-on with buying properties. That's what I love to do. I'll also go out there and shoot videos of them before and after to put on the blog and different things. And I like writing too. So I'll write all the articles still on my site. I like creating the books. So my main focus now is buying houses, kind of high level management over the team, and then the writing side of it.
1: You switched from buying properties to fixing and flipping the properties. What indicators, and you mentioned the median home prices, what indicators are you keeping track of so that you know when to switch back to buying properties for rentals?
0: Whenever I've bought rentals, I've always looked at cash flow first. So I've always wanted to make kind of at least 15% cash on cash return after paying all the expenses, maintenance, vacancies, all of those allowances. So when I couldn't get that anymore, I started to take a really hard look at my market and if I wanted to buy rentals here. Prices have shot up since then even too. And I don't know if we're ever gonna get back to that, really, in my market. So what I've done, instead of kind of sitting around waiting for this market to change, is I have looked at other markets like Florida, and I've also looked at different property classes here, like commercial. multifamily is crazy expensive here for residential, but there's some opportunity on commercial, like true industrial properties, warehouses. And I actually have a $2.4 million property under contract right now. So mm-hmm. just got it yesterday.
1: Congratulations.
0: Yeah, it's a bit out of my comfort zone. That'll be my project for the next couple months here. What
1: can you tell us about it?
0: It's a 250,000 square foot old Hewlett-Packard manufacturing plant. Oh my
1: gosh, you're going all in on the the stretching your comfort zone.
0: (laughs) It's been vacant for 12 years, but it's like right in the path of growth. And my plan is to get a few investors in it with me, split it up into smaller spaces and lease out five to 10,000 square foot spaces to individual businesses and kind of revitalize the property. But they're building new McDonald's, new banks, new health centers all around it. So it's a big project, but it should be fun.
1: How do you plan on getting financing for that?
0: I've talked to some banks, so some banks are willing to do part of it. And then I have one partner already and I'm hoping to get maybe two or three other partners to chip in. It's going to need probably almost $2 million in repairs and mm-hmm. renovation. So that's the challenge right now. I wanted to get it under contract before I opened my mouth up too much about it around mm-hmm. town. And now that I've got it under contract, it's time to get to work. <laughs>
1: couple questions. One, how long do you have until you need to close? And two... Do you have an out clause so that if doomsday happens and you aren't able to get bank financing and or equity partners, then you can escape out without losing a lot of money?
0: I have 85 days for my inspection and due diligence. It's 50,000 in earnest money. So I can get that back. Basically, I have three months to figure it all out. I have an extension clause too where I can pay another 50,000 for another 90 days, but then that is non-refundable. So I've got about three months to figure it all out.
1: And your 50000 earnest money is refundable within those 85 days? Correct. So why not, right? <laughs> I'm used to putting offers in Texas where the day I put the offer in and it gets accepted, it's non-refundable, like six-figure style. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, well, shoot. A
0: little stressful.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, good stuff. And what do you think, after you put in $2 million, so you'll be in all in roughly $4.4 4 What will it be worth?
0: If you get it fully leased out, sounds crazy, but it's probably a 12 to $17 million building. Mm-hmm. Cap rates here are super low for commercial. It would bring in close to $2 million gross a year before expenses and probably around a million after being conservative on those numbers. There's no space for lease here. That's the thing is there's so little space for lease.
1: How long do you expect the project to take to get to that point?
0: Oh, at least two years probably Mm -hmm. to get all the way there, maybe longer. But I figure if you start small and start building one space at a time, you know, you can get it partially leased, maybe six months, and then kind of slowly lease it out over the next year or two.
1: That's going to be a major focus of yours. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) What do you see for your role and your other equity partner's role in the deal?
0: I want to set it up so that I have complete control. I'm a bit of a control freak. And I think in a project like this, one of the biggest dangers is having too many kind of cooks in the kitchen and people (laughs) not agreeing. So I want to set it up where I have complete control. I have the majority of the equity and then maybe two or three partners have between... 30 and 45 percent of the equity in that range depending on how much investment they have together all of them together would have Mm. that much so that's my plan right now what
1: about this project is this the largest transaction for you personally to spearhead
0: by like five times by five
1: times okay what gave you the confidence to go five times larger than what you've previously done
0: I've been looking at commercial for a year and a half now, just because there was no residential for me. And I knew nothing about commercial before I started looking at it. And when I saw some of these properties, there's another one I was interested in at 2.5 million. It was in much better shape is half the size, but I saw it was under rented half the space was vacant. I'm like, kind of like the apartment building that you do, where if it's mismanaged, there's so much potential to increase value, increase rents. And I saw that potential in these commercial places. I'm like, man, I really want to look into this more. And so I just kept looking for a few properties. Most of this stuff was so expensive. It just didn't make sense. But then there's a couple of properties that need work. And this one was actually off market. It wasn't listed. So there's just a huge opportunity there that I think is pretty rare to find.
1: Why wasn't it listed if it's completely vacant?
0: It's got a crazy story. So Hewlett Packard left in like 2001. They sold it to a group of investors. At that time, it was 145 acres with this building, and those investors paid $8 million for it. They lost a ton of money, ended up selling it to another investor a couple of years for like $6 million. So it got a really bad stigma about it being a losing deal. The new investors went through, split up the land, sold off the land, an acre to McDonald's, an acre to a car wash, an acre to a bank to create a subdivision for multifamily, another one for single family, Mm -hmm. they made all their money back just selling off this land. Mm -hmm. So they've been concentrating on that for like last five years and just left this property kind of sitting there. And everyone who's owned it has wanted to put one big giant user in there. Mm -hmm. And I think that was their big mistake. There's not many people who want 250,000 square feet in a dilapidated building. (laughs) So I think it's splitting it up is going to make it so much more valuable and make it just much easier to rent. And yeah, I don't know why they didn't list it. I would have. How many acres? 19 and a half. And it comes with about $500,000 in water too with it. What do you mean by that? Like 13 acre feet of water to water the land and then a three inch water tap. Water in Colorado is so expensive. So if you were to sell that water on its own, it would be worth probably around four or (laughs) 500,000.
1: You're speaking in language that I don't know what you're talking about. So you said comes with $500,000 of water in it. Is that a reserve or what is that?
0: It's just water that's been allocated to that property. Water is so expensive in Colorado. If you want to build a new house, you're probably going to pay $40,000 for a water tap just for one single family house. So we're kind of top of the mountain where there's nobody above us where water comes. We're very dry climate. So it's very valuable if you have water with land, you can sell that water separate from the land. So like if you have water rights to a certain ditch or to a lake, you can sell that water. And then if you build any kind of subdivision in the town, you have to have a certain amount of water allocated to it or buy water so that you can have water available for the houses. So it's very complicated. I'm just learning all about it now but you have to have water to be able to develop here. And it's very expensive.
1: Now I'm understanding the parallels because I am from Texas. And now when you say water rights, now I'm thinking of your oil or gas rights with your property. And that's an apples to apples comparison. Now I get it.
0: Yep. Very similar.
1: Okay, cool. Besides the equity and the debt partners, I imagine you've got an architect. Who are the team members that you need to fill out your team?
0: Honestly, I have been very quiet about this because it wasn't listed. It wasn't on the market. I didn't want to let anybody else kind of sneak into it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there are a couple huge, massive commercial contractors in my town. Roach Construction, Pencil Phelps are both headquartered here. So there's a couple people I can talk to there. I'm actually building a charter school right next to this property where Roach Construction is working on it. So there's a couple of contractors there I can talk to that I want to get involved. do not have an architect yet. It was kind of a seat of the pants, get it under contract. And now the time comes to run like crazy and figure everything else out.
1: Besides their names though, just like the actual titles or responsibilities, you need an architect, you need a general contractor. Who else are the main team member roles?
0: I'm an agent myself, but I used a commercial agent in town to do this deal for me. So he's a big part of it because I think that wasn't my specialty. So he's got a ton of connections. He's kind of been a huge help on figuring out lease rates potential. So the commercial agent was huge. The lender, of course, there's a couple of banks in town. I've discussed with this and they're both like, well, get it under contract. We can talk more. Yeah. So banks are huge. The contractor, as you said, is going to be huge. Those are the main players. I think the bank, the contractor, the agent, and... Uh, architect, designer. It's not going to be crazy complicated for designing. So I don't think i will be a huge problem, but a big thing will be the electric, the heat, getting all that working and set up right.
1: Who's doing the inspection? And again, not the actual person's name, but how do you find the right inspectors?
0: I think on something like this, I would go to the contractor because there aren't exactly inspectors out there who specialize in buildings like this, especially in this area. Uh-huh. So I think I would have the contractor go through it with me. And then I actually have a contact for the person who used to manage all the maintenance on this property for 20 years. Mm. So I can get some inside information from him on the pros, cons of the building and what to look out for.
1: Yeah. For better or worse, you know that person. <laughs> I mean, considering the state that it's in now. All right. Well, Hey, this has been a conversation that took a couple twists and turns that I didn't anticipate, but I'm glad that they did. What else, if anything, would you like to share as it relates to either your approach now as an investor in a hot market, which really the $2.4 million property ties into that. So anything else that you'd like to discuss as it relates to being in a hot market and shifting your focus?
0: I would just say we're focusing on the flips now, but I see a lot of investors who in a hot market kind of pay higher prices, assuming the market will continue to get hotter and hotter. I've never liked that philosophy. I think that can get you into trouble. So when we are flipping, I'm still looking at at current markets prices for my ARB. I'm not assuming it's going to go up. I'm still very conservative, very careful. And just to protect myself, because you never know how long that market's going to be hot and things can cool down in a hurry.
1: Well, thank you for being on the show, Mark. This has truly been a lesson in how to shift our focus when we live or are investing in a hot market. Instead of buying buy and hold properties, you're fixing and flipping, taking that cash. I assume it's probably putting a decent chunk of it in this $2.4 million property, but then also the shift in The focus, as you talked about earlier, with this $2.4 million property, I mean, this is going to be a major project for you. sounds like it's got some incredible potential, and I'm glad that you walked us through the thought process for why you got it under contract and now what you're going to be doing moving forward to suss out the situation and qualify it while you have the 85 days of due diligence. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend, Mark, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Joe.
1: Are you an investor who self-manages, talks to your residents, collects checks, and handles all the day-to-day tasks? Well, there's a better way, best ever listener. And guess what? That better way is Secure Pay One. Secure Pay One, the landlord helper will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30 minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast, where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.